Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. And uh, June is Pride Month. And uh, maybe you haven't run into this much lately, but it is um, upon us and it's amazing what's happening with it. I'm very honored to have back with us today uh, Stephen Black. He's worked as a pastoral care ministry. He's an ordained minister in local church and uh, with International Ministerial Fellowship for over 25 years. Uh, he's the executive director of First Stone Ministries there in Oklahoma City and one of the founders of Restored Hope Network. He's authored a book called Freedom Realized, Finding Free Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. And by the way, there's a picture of the cover of the book on the screen there for those watching on the Dove TV network. And Stephen has a couple of websites, stephenblack.org, stephenblack.org, or you can go to firststone.org. Stephen, good to see you again, friend. How are you? Yeah, thank you, sir. Good to be with you. I am trying to figure out how to approach this because uh, Pride Month is upon us. It's everywhere. Um, It's in our face and it's becoming very hostile, uh, very intimidating, very forceful, uh, all out assault against morality, decency, let alone biblical teaching. Um, Are we ready for this? Well, that's a great question because many are not. And people, like you said, you use the word intimidated and people are manipulated. And I would say that that's very true of many church leaders as well. Pastors, when I talk to them, they have church boards, they have elders and leaders that have gay identified family members. Uh, They put pressure on them to please don't do this. It's disruptive to our families. Um, Then you have, you know, some pastors that are also very uh, concerned about the bottom line. And so these are some real pressures and fears that are coming against the church. And so if the church loses its saltiness and its, its um, really loving light uh, to, to really address this issue, um, then we give way to the L and the G. And that's what's really happened to where now, um, you know, we see in Romans 1, I was thinking about this interview the, this morning and praying about it, and the Lord reminded me three times in Romans 1, it says, and God gives them up. God gives them up. And it's interesting because when you see the state of our nation and the White House and, um, you know, the warnings even towards the White House, which other leaders have said, if you do this, this will happen uh, from a biblical worldview. And all of it is just being rejected. And so uh, people are just swayed now to the place where what used to be uh, common sense, um, you know, you have an attack on, you know, a fifth or fifth, sixth, seventh grader who wore a T-shirt that said there are two genders. Uh, You have a man who's just literally reading scripture on a sidewalk who's being arrested. This isn't Canada. This isn't Europe. This is now in the United States. And this is in the month of pride. And it's, you know, we're only a few days into it. And so there are some people with understanding that the T and the Q are taking this way too far. Um, when you see what's happened with Target and Bud Light and now the Dodger Stadium situation and other situations that are coming up later this month, where there's this celebration of transgenderism and the idea of the cue. 
And so, yeah, there's an intimidation factor uh, when you look at what was planned for the very week that the Nashville tragedy happened uh, for the, at Covenant Presbyterian School. They were planning a, what was going to be a trans violence um, uh, rally in Washington, D.C. They canceled it. Uh, but the idea of transgender people to fight back. And, you know, we've heard this on The View, we've heard this in liberal media, that transgender people need to fight back. And so the the frenzy of, of honestly, uh, violence is just boiling underneath there. And so we definitely are being intimidated. A lot of manipulation is going on. And and this is what we're doing now in 2023 and entering this this time post-COVID, where the celebrations are in more force than ever before. Okay, Stephen, there's so much here to unpack. Um, let me just ask you a basic, simple question. How did an attack on morality, decency, and biblical creation get its own month. Well, I mean, you know, it's if you look at the history, it started with Kinsey, then pornography, and then, you know, the acceptance of no-fault divorce, and then the erosion of the family, to where, you know, the manipulation from the Stonewall riots and and the activism in psychology, where it's kind of brainwashed people in higher learning that L and G, and, and then it became B, but the L and the G are not mental illness. It's not a neurotic behavior. It's not narcissism, really. It's just, you know, normal. And so we've bought into that lie now for over 50 years. And and now we've gotten to this place where we are, you know, celebrate an entire month of decadence. And and that's, you know, when you look at the history, uh, just like the proverbial frog in the pot of water, you know, right. you turn it on and that right. frog doesn't jump out right. immediately until, you know, uh, it gets to the boiling point and it dies. And that that's where we are as a nation when you look at um really biblical history of when a nation gets to the frenzy that we are in. Um, today's youth pastor is now dealing with this. Uh, yes. A couple of decades ago, it was car washes and barbecues and ping pong. Now youth pastors are literally dealing with this um, and they have to bring it to the senior pastor. Um, uh, let's talk about what, can a church do now to prepare for this? It's no longer something that might happen. It is happening. Um, and youth pastors are dealing with the fact that they have somebody in their youth group that is thinking about transitioning, is transitioning, uh, wants to bring a friend to youth group who has transitioned. What are we to do? Well, I think we, we need at the core of the church to make sure that the policies are in place, that we're going to uphold a standard of God's divine intention for human sexuality. And then that youth leader um, needs to be empowered to be courageous uh, to first and foremost preach the gospel. Uh, because until people can recognize they are in need of a savior, it's going to be hard to address their gender confusion. And quite frankly, quite frankly, some of the oppression 
that these young people are under uh, because of their isolation and their brokenness of, of the worldview that has crept into their minds and their thinking. And so we really have to fashion um, an un- a compromise gospel message where we present and make Jesus attractive by our behavior, uh, by our kindness. Um, but then when it gets to the issue is to simply say, you know, that God has something much, much better for you. And uh, he does have standards and that we never compromise on those issues because right, so- eventually that youth director is going to be uh, pushed into that place of having to make the decision to tell the truth. All right. I hear three things here. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Number one, the church should maybe have a white paper on the issue as a policy. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Number two is that when a youth pastor is confronted with somebody, uh, it could be one of two things. It could be that this person feels belonged in this community because somewhere in their past they've had an abuse. They're broken. Right. Most of them, actually, Perry. Okay. Or they're caught up in the fad of the moment. Right. So I'm beginning to narrow this thing down to those two things as to their broken children that got, they're being accepted in a movement in spite of all of its problems. They're being accepted in a movement. So that so-called attraction to be there for acceptance is a real drawing card. And then the other one is those who get caught up in the fad of the moment of what's happening in school. And sometimes they go along with this because it also becomes a safe place not to get harassed. So my concern is here, are we prepared to show authentic Christian love before we show or tell them what the Bible says about their sin? That's a great question. That's that's where we definitely need pastors and youth leaders to be mentored themselves on how to do that, how to really present the gospel in a very loving and uncompromised way and and to give hope. You know, um, that's where, you know, stories like myself and others who who have a testimony of coming out of homosexuality is very powerful for for youth to hear, because now most of the time, especially on the east and west coasts of our nation, the the schools have become propaganda tools. And I mean, we're talking from kindergarten up now that the idea of LGBTQ and the rainbow flag means, you know, total acceptance and freedom and love and tolerance and kindness, which are, you know, those things are upside down in a biblical worldview. But that's what all the youth are being taught now in the public school systems. And so you're having, of course, families and parents are needing to address that issue as well, because, you know, we send our school, our kids away in schools and they're literally getting, you know, dozens of hours of indoctrination and they're not getting the truth. And so it should be the other way around uh, where they're getting lots and lots of the truth. And so for those that don't, 
We need to be prepared. And, you know, and even having some of the other youth around them, uh, I've seen some situations where there are equipped young people that actually know their Bible and are, and are able to do a good job at representing the gospel to these people that are suffering. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this this multifaceted approach, having a good standard in the church and empowering these leaders is imperative. Okay. I have a big question for you. Let me take a quick break. Uh, well, let me say to our viewers and listeners a couple of things. Check out uh, Stephen's book, Freedom Realized. Uh, there's a picture of the cover of the book on the TV screen for those of you watching on the Div TV network. Uh, he has a couple of uh, websites for you to check out, stephenblack.org or firststone, one word, firststone.org. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, uh, 13 Before they are, I'm delighted to have back with us today uh, Stephen Black. Uh, he's a pastor that works in pastoral care ministry. Uh, he works with the International Ministerial Fellowship. He's also uh, First Stone Ministries there in Oklahoma City and the founder of Restored Hope Network. He has a book that you probably will find to be very resourceful, Freedom Realized, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. A couple of websites, stephenblack.org or firststone.org. Stephen, uh, and this is Pride Month. Um, the term gay Christian is all over the place. And I, 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 want, I want to hear your response to this because uh, it's growing. Um, if you talk to a person who claims to be a gay Christian, their testimony is at times can be fairly convincing. convincing. Um, my concern is, I was reading in John 3 this morning, so my mind is pretty full of either children of the light or the children of the darkness. And I don't think there's gray area there. There's no gray. There's no children of the gray. Um, how do you handle the term gay Christian? That, that is actually a great question. And we're getting that more now than ever before. And, um, you know, uh, last year I was kind of praying through, Lord, you know, what do you, where do you have something really succinct for me to, to help people to just really cut through uh, the, the confusion around that biblically? And I really felt like the Lord gave me Ephesians chapter 4 and starting in verse 17, because this is a question that psychology has brought an erosion into the church with some antinomianism, that's hypergrace, and kind of perverting the grace of God, like we see in Jude's epistle, verse 4, where it says, you know, these people will creep in and they will turn the grace of God and uh, to a license for lewdness or licentiousness. But Ephesians chapter 4 deals with this pretty succinctly in that you're to be renewed in the inner man. 
and the spirit of your mind. And Romans 12 talks about this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And so this psychological element has crept into the church that orientation, the orientation narrative is viable, that there can be such a thing as a same-sex attracted is how it started with the Exodus implosion. And then it became gay Christian with the Gay Christian Network. And then, of course, now we have this revoice conferences. It's it's all the same kind of messaging, just repackaged differently. And what that does is that allows for an internal desire and lust that go unchecked. And yes, there are going to be people who suffer um, and need help internally with their, their thoughts and their feelings. But the Bible's really clear on this. It actually says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put off the old man, the former conduct, but also the former way of thinking. And this is this is a very important part of discipleship care that needs to take place in the church, because that kind of corrupt thinking, like Proverbs says, is a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What I say in my book, I said, this is one of the most cruelest um, messaging that's given to this generation right now is this idea of the gay Christian. Because what that does is it intrinsically makes a soul stuck in a place of internal lust. And so this has to be unpacked. And and, uh, ironically, right there in Ephesians 4, verses uh, 17 through the end of the chapter there does a really great job. And then when you read, you know, the first part of Ephesians 5, it makes it very clear that it's a very narrow way concerning uh, human sexuality and God's divine intent. And so I take people there, but then there's the understanding that some people have been so traumatized and so broken in their soul that it can take years to recover in the trauma of the brain. And they actually do need uh, ongoing counseling and healing rather than this revoice message, leaving people stuck in this place of bondage. Well said. So um, what do you, let me, let me back up and ask, do people who are caught in this lifestyle, they seem to be, um, very firm in having you accept them. Um, but inside, is it acceptance that they want? Or is there a deep feeling of freedom that they need? Well, I, I think it really depends upon the, the soul's history. Um, you know, for me, I was raised in parochial school and in a Catholic environment. Unfortunately, I had one of those situations where a priest um, tried to seduce me and actually tell me it was okay to be gay. And so I was completely deceived in my mind. Mm-hmm. And a person like that, like I was, there does seem to be a, a kind of a liberation that takes place from breaking free from the condemnation or the shame that you feel. And so it can feel like liberation for a time. You know, sin can be pleasurable for a season, but it brings forth death. Then there is the person that actually, and I've I've had in my office repeatedly over the years, I've been doing this now for over 30 years in, in pastoral care, where there will be somebody who say, you know, I've always knew it was wrong. 
You know, I, I just could see it in nature. And they actually are, they don't know it sometimes, but they're actually quoting Romans 1, that even nature and nature's God reveals that there is a, you know, a divine intention in human sexuality, which is male and female in a covenant marriage relationship is God's plan. And so it really do, does depend upon the, how much truth got sown into a person's soul. Um, and what's sad is in our culture today, we are finding so many people are so, quite frankly, demonized and so dark in their soul, they really are in absolute darkness and deception. And they're going to need the light of the law and the law of love to come in and show them in common sense, really, biology 101, and that God has a, you know, a better plan for their life. And that can take some real, you know, uh, befriending and taking time and helping somebody uh, that is in that kind of darkness. So, you know, it really does depend upon a person's history. And, you know, just like Romans 1 talks about, you know, there can be a searing of the soul, the mind can be, you know, you know, debased to become so darkened where God says three times in Romans one, they're, they're turned over, they're turned over and turned over. And, and that's what's happening even in our nation in the highest places in our military and government and where people are literally saying that good is evil and evil is good. And so, you know, that's why it's imperative that we continue to be sacrificial in our love to preach the gospel. Why? We cannot stop preaching the gospel. Amen. Why is this perversion so pervasive in the human experience and you don't even do the logical questioning of why isn't in, in plant life and animal life? I mean, it's, it seems to be that this is a human thing, we should accept it, but by just sheer nature, you don't see it anywhere else but in the promotion in the human life. Why has this become the number one topic in America? Well, I, I really do think uh, it is the the age-old darkness from the very beginning is that Satan and the dominions of darkness have always hated the image of God created right. in man and woman. I got a minute. And whatever he can do to pervert that image and bring um, really a, a distortion of that, uh, he is going to do. And we see in the last days that perilous times will come, uh, Paul's letter to Tim, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, that men will become lovers of self and that they would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And, you know, the late Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill used to say, will it be said of America that she killed herself over King Sport and Queen Entertainment? And, you know, we have had so many inroads of taking us away from a biblically solid foundation of our history to now in such distortion that we have become much like Rome, where we love the entertainment of the gladiator uh, sports and and bloodshed. And and that's where we are now as a nation. I hate to step on you. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, stephenblack.org, firststone.org, two websites, very resourceful. Check out his book, Freedom Realized. Stephen, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Um, Thanks for being so transparent. Look forward to more visits. We can learn a lot from you. Thank you, brother. 
God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.